So for all you uh, Shakespeare fans, uh, Shakespeare wrote this. He said that all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and entrances and one man in his time plays many parts. And, uh, you know, with all respect to William Shakespeare, and and I I know what uh, the context is, and maybe I'm taking his quote a little bit out of context, but that kind of sets us up for... um, for this morning's sermon, you know, if the if the world is a stage, what are we? You know, if if he's right, we're we're actors, right? And the uh, well, the the Greek word for for an actor or, or a stage player is hypokritos, from which we get the word uh, hypocrite. And you you've probably seen pictures of uh, the actors in Greek plays. They they wore masks. And in a uh, in a play, perhaps three people would, three actors would would p- perform the whole play. They would they would change characters by uh, putting on different masks. You know, essentially they they would would put on a different face. And um, you know, in in modern usage, what what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a person who, like those Greek actors, pretends to be someone he's not, you know, putting on a, a, a different face, projecting a, a false image. And Jesus used this word. Uh, he, he used it quite frequently, in fact, in the Gospels. He, he often used it in the, in the same breath as the words scribes and Pharisees. He kind of lumped those three, those three uh, terms together quite, quite a lot. And, um, you know, he tells us, don't, don't be like them. Don't be like the hypocrites or... Or really, don't be a hypocrite. You know, don't don't be a, a play actor uh, doing things for show. Don't be two faced. And uh, so, I, I'd like to propose that, contrary to what Shakespeare says, that our our world is not a stage. And in the last several sermons, you know, Jesus has been talking about uh, the law, and he's been t- he's been talking about our hearts. You know, he's, he's concerned about our hearts. And he, he gave us several examples which uh, demonstrate his own heart for us. He, he's concerned about what's on, on the inside. And uh, following the law, God's law, is, is much more than uh, meeting the requirements of the letter of the law. It's, you know, God's concerned about the, the spirit of the law. And so in chapter 6, Jesus addresses something... Um, Similar, uh, he's talking about outward displays of righteousness or, or good works. And our text this morning starts with uh, Matthew 6, verse 1. And, um, you know, our, our, our depraved tendency tends to uh, f- favor us doing things for other people to see, you know, doing good works so that other people will see those. And, you know, we want people to think the best about us, don't we? Uh, but God sees what's on the inside. You know, what, I guess we, we need to ask why do we do the things we do. That's, that's always a good question to ask. Why, why am I doing this? Uh, is, it, is it for selfish reasons? Or 
Is it sincere? Are we, are we doing things for, for the glory of God? We just sung a bunch about that. Those were, those were great songs, you know. Uh, are we hypocrites or are we genuine? So let's read, let's read today's text. Uh, read with me in your Bibles, uh, starting with Matthew 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And we're going to skip down to verse 16. We're going to, we're going to do a separate sermon on, on the Lord's Prayer. So verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Oh, oh Lord Jesus, you, you've given us some examples to, uh, to illustrate this point that uh, what we... What we are to do is to do things for your glory and, and not our own, Lord, that, uh, that your name would be made great and not ours. So, Lord, open up our hearts as we, uh, as we open up your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we need to look at our motives. You know, why, why do we do good things? You know, Jesus is just giving us three examples here, but, you know, this, these same principles, the same principle of you know, not doing thing, not doing things for show. This applies to, uh, you know, really all we do. Why do we do the things we do? Is it for public recognition, or is it from a, a sincere desire to to do what's right, to do to do the good thing? And Jesus gives us these three areas: giving, praying, and and fasting, making the point that you know we we don't do these things for show. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. And uh, yeah, by the way, I think this um, sometimes can be a big issue for us. Do you have any? Do you have any words there are in the English language that um, that convey this this idea of doing something for show? I don't either. Uh, but some that come to my mind are uh, words like showboating. 
hypocrisy, facade, disingenuous, phony, fake, uh, pomposity, vainglory. Uh, I bet you could come up with many more um, ostentatious, strutting. You know, our, our language is, is rich because this idea and this practice is, is widespread, I think. Anyway, let's look at these three areas. First, talks, first, Jesus talks about giving. He says, when you give, when you give, how should you do it? I, I got a letter from uh, the, the uh, seminary that I uh, graduated from. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was an appeal for money for student scholarships. Now, I'm, I'm all for student scholarships. In fact, I'm, I'm the beneficiary of, of one right now that I, I'm working on my doctorate. Um, I, I continue to benefit. But here, here, was the offer, here was the offer that was made for me, to me. If I donate a certain amount, I, I can get my name on a brick. Yeah. And this brick will be in the, uh, it'll, it'll be uh, in the centennial archway at, at the seminary. So forevermore, people will know about me and my generosity. Um, you know, they're going to look at this brick and say, wow, what a great guy is, is this Tim Whitey. You know, I, I wish I knew him. You know, I, I bet he'd make a really good friend, you know. <laughs> well, hang, hang on. I'm, I'm going to give you the offer here. I know the school has good intentions. I, I really do. And it, it, you know, but, it, but it seems to me they're playing on this uh, tendency for us to want to be recognized for our, our good. Um, now, there are some other options. So I, I, don't, I, don't, want to, I don't want to make them look too bad. You can, you can have somebody else's name put on that brick. So in, in, you know, in memory of somebody... Or uh, I can have my brick engraved, the Lord is faithful to all generations. I kind of think that would be the one I would do. Uh, I like that option. If if you're interested, John, I'll I'll give you the information. I'll I'll forward that to you. Anyway, you know, there are a lot of good intention people. Some some give big donations. Uh, Some corporations give big money in order to derive some sort of benefit for, for themselves. Uh, recognition, enhanced business opportunities, uh, networking, you know, there, there, there are a lot of reasons, things like that. But Jesus says, if, you know, if you're just doing this in order to look good to other people, you're, you're on the wrong track. Uh, you know, if, you're, if your desire is praise, uh, guess what? That's, that's the only reward you're going to get. You know, Tim Whitey's a good guy. That's my reward, if that's why I'm doing it. So Jesus said, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now Jesus is talking about giving to the needy, giving giving to meet some need. Uh yeah, the, the principle here I think applies to any any kind of giving that we that we do. You know, we gotta ask ourselves again, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? You know, we give to people, we give to organizations, we give 
to missionaries, we give to uh, you know, Christian workers, we give to churches. Uh, we, we give in order to meet needs. And that's what Jesus is talking about. And, uh, you know, we can give in many different ways. It's, it's not just money. You, you may have heard of the three T's of giving. It's time, treasures, and, and talents. And, uh, yeah, I'm always impressed. I'm always grateful for, for people who do things behind the scenes. Sometimes I'll, I'll be in my office uh, working on a sermon or something, and I'll, I'll just happen to notice. Somebody, one of our people is, is out there spraying weeds or, you know, doing, doing this or that. They're not doing it for any kind of fanfare they get. They, they're not doing it for any kind of recognition at all. They're just doing it because they want to glorify God in this, this church. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people here are using their uh, their skills for for the church to uh, to glorify God. Your your talents, uh, and I, I'm, and, and you don't expect a big fanfare. And I, I'm grateful for you. We all are. You know, you you have a servant's heart. So thank you. You're doing just what Jesus says to do here. You know, he he sees even when the rest of us don't. So, you know, Jesus, again, is asking, where's your heart? What, what motivates you? What are your motives here? You know, giving to the needy is a, a good thing. He doesn't say if you give. He says when you give. It's expected of us to, to give of our, our resources, whatever they are. You know, we're, we're the recipients of, of his blessing. When we bless others, it says he blesses us. You know, he's... He himself has given to us far above what we could ever dream of. Uh, he's definitely blessed us with, with much more than, than what we deserve. And so he blesses us so that we can bless others. He gives to us in our time of need so that we can give to others in, in their time of need. Uh, I read a little story about uh, Charles Spurgeon. According to a story in the uh, the Chaplain magazine, he would he would sell, but uh, he refused to give away chicken eggs from his chickens. And even close relatives were told, "You you may have them if you pay for them." And as a result, some of the people labeled the, uh, the Mr. and Mrs. Spurgeon as, as being greedy and and, and grasping. And they accepted the criticisms without defending themselves. And only after Mrs. Spurgeon died was the full story revealed. All the profits from the sale of eggs went to support two elderly widows. And because the Spurgeons were unwilling to let their left hand know what their right hand was, was doing, uh, they, they endured these attacks in, in silence. And um, yeah, I've got another story. Uh, a, a church that we were in in uh, Montana, there was this one woman in our church who was a, a seamstress. Uh, she she really lived on very little, very meager living. She worked out of out of the basement of her of her small house, and uh, her name was Naomi. And she was going somewhere. I think it was China. Chris will correct me if if I'm wrong. Was it China? Where she went? Thailand. Okay, I was close. Anyway, 
she would go there and, and donate her time. She would just sit there and sew whatever their sewing needs were. I know she made curtains for them and probably repaired their clothing or you know, just whatever their their needs were. You know, she had this this talent that she would give to these these people in, in another land. And there was this other woman in our church who uh, knew of Naomi's need. And this other woman uh, came into some money. It wasn't a lot. It really wasn't a lot, but it was enough to where she was able to give Naomi a, a portion of that. And Naomi, uh, later on, I found out, went to this woman and, and well, this woman had, had donated some money through the church anonymously. So Naomi didn't even know where this money came from. This other woman, Naomi, went up to her and said, uh, you won't believe what God did for me. <laughs> you know, he gave me just the right amount. What a, what a miracle. You know, who, who got the glory in that? It was God. And this other woman didn't let her left hand know what her right hand was doing. No glory, no credit. She made, you know, she could have made sure that everybody knew about her generosity. She could have, you know, come, she could have gotten involved in all kinds of fanfare. You know, Naomi can go there now because of me. She didn't do that, though. That didn't move her. So, you know, the scripture encourage giving, encourages giving. It encourages us to give generously and as we are you know, as, as we're blessed from the Lord. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided to give in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now the whole point is, is to glorify God, never to glorify ourselves. <clears throat> so our motive for giving needs to be from a pure heart. You know, it must be motivated by a love for God, motivated by a love for others, not love of our, ourselves, not to uh, satisfy our, our own desires, whatever they may be. You know, we don't give to be recognized. If we do, that's the only reward we're going to get. We don't give for what we get in return. Um, if we do, well, our selfishness is our only reward. You know, we, uh, if we don't give, our, our stinginess will be our own re only reward. <laughs> you know, God, God wants our giving to come from a, a glad heart, a generous, cheerful heart. I love what uh, Exodus 25 says as, as they were getting the, this, uh, this tabernacle together. Exodus 25, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, 
Speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution for me. And this is the contribution, contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, purple, blue and purple, and scarlet yarns for fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant, fragrant incense, onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. You know, all this, all this for, for God's glory, all this so that God's people have a place to, to meet with him. So our, our giving must be for the glory of God, not for our own glory. So we don't, we don't put on the mask of generosity when behind the mask is uh, selfishness and, and, and greed. Next, Jesus uh, looks at our, our motive for uh, praying. He says, when you pray, when you pray. Now, I always, I always want to be careful here. I, I, I do not like to be critical of other people's prayers. Uh, you know, none of us, according to Scripture, knows how to pray as we ought. None of us. That's, that's why we need the Holy Spirit to intercede for us in our weakness. He intercedes for us. And again, here Jesus uses this word when. When you pray, not if you pray. God expects us to be praying people. But he sees our hearts. He, he invites us to look at our motives. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? That's a good question, isn't it? Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't, don't put on that, that false face. Don't, be a, don't pray for show. It's, it's not an act for people to observe and, and applaud. You know, the, he, he says these, these hypocrites are, are play-acting. They're, they're praying phony prayers on, on a stage. That's pretty harsh. But their, pray, their prayers have nothing to do with seeking God and seeking God's face communing with him, worshiping him, not, none of that. Uh, their, their desire in praying is that people will recognize them and, and applaud them. Oh, what, a, what a great prayer this guy is. What a, what a prayer warrior. You know, they, pr- they pray for the, for the acclaim they, they receive from other people. And, you know, we should, we should never do that, never pray to be in the limelight. We should pray because... Our audience is, is God. And so Jesus, he says, you know, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. You know, for me, this is, this is quite liberating. You know, there have been times where we... We've had a prayer meeting, or even just me, myself, individually. You know, somebody had, had asked me maybe to, to mention them in prayer or whatever, and I realized, oh, no, we forgot to pray for you know, Joe or whatever. And Jesus is saying, that's okay. The Lord knows these needs before you can even present them. You know, he cares about our heart. He cares about his, his children coming to him. 
with our requests. You know, I, um, I, I'm, he, he says, you know, he knows our needs. I, I'm sure that he knows of much more than we even know ourselves. We ha- I think we have many more needs than, than we're even aware of. And, uh, yeah, I think God, I know, I know God works behind the scenes in, in ways we don't know, in ways we don't appreciate. You know, he's, he's omniscient. He, he knows all. And, um, you know, there's some other things we could point out here. You know, we don't, we don't need in our prayers to give God a sermon. We, in, in the church we attended in Dallas, we, we had this guy who would come sometimes on Wednesday nights. And he'd pray these long prayers. It was as if he was instructing God. One one Wednesday night, he <clears throat> he explained in great t- detail to the Lord uh, the the timing of the rapture. Um, we don't need to give God instructions on how to do the things that we want Him to do. You know, sometimes. In fact, quite often, he has a better way than, than what we can think of. He's, he's much wiser than, than I am. I think he's much wiser than, than any of us. You know, we don't, we don't pray to uh, uh, announce our political views. We don't pray to God against other people. You know, we, we make a lot of mistakes when we, when we pray together. Jesus' point here is that, uh, you know, we, first of all, we need to pray. We need to be people of prayer. But the point is we, we don't pray to be heard by others. We don't pray to, to impress others. Now, does this mean we should not pray together? No, not at all. You know, there's there, there's a lot of uh, precedent in, in the scripture about God's people coming together and, and praying in one accord. You know, it's the, the power of agreeing together in prayer. When we pray together, uh, many times we're, we're encouraged. Many times we're, we're encouraged when that prayer is answered. You know, we come back the next week or a couple weeks later and, and somebody says, guess what? God answered our prayer. You know, that... That surgery was very successful, and I'm, I'm feeling great now. You know, we, we hear these things, and it's, it's awesome to, to hear them. You know, Jesus prayed in, in front of his disciples. Uh, he, he gave thanks at, at meals. He prayed for his disciples. Uh, the church prayed together in the book of Acts. The, the church was born in a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 2. Jesus talked about agreeing in, in prayer in Matthew 18. He said, if, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. You know, so we have strong encouragement to get together and, and pray out loud, but he's just saying, watch your heart, watch your motives. So, you know, there's just something very special about uh, praying together in, in agreement. And uh, thank you, Tom, for the, the plug for the Tuesday night prayer meeting. I encourage you, if you haven't been to that, uh, it's, it's a real blessing. I'd, I'd really like to see you there.
Now, Jesus gives us a third example. He says, when you fast. Now, I don't know that this one's a big problem because I don't know that a lot of people fast these days. <laughs> uh, and, and if they do, they're probably doing it right because I don't hear about it. But let's talk about it anyway. Um, you know, fasting is a, a spiritual discipline that's, that's often neglected. And it's, it's talked about quite a bit in the, in the Bible. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever been in a church that really emphasized fasting. I don't, I've never been in a church where the, the congregation was called to fast together. Yeah, I think it'd be good to look at what the Bible has to say. What does the Bible teach? Uh, let's, let's look at some examples. Why, why do God's people fast? Uh, one is in time of crisis. In times of crisis, uh, when we look at the book of Esther, in Esther 4, uh, there are, uh, the, the people are lamenting. They're, they're seeking for God's intervention as... God's people seem to be on a, on a precipice. You know, the, the, the future of, of the Jews was really in, in question here. They had, they had enemies that really wanted to, to wipe them out. In Ezra, when God's people were coming back from exile to, uh, to rebuild the temple and to, to rebuild the people, uh, they fasted. Seeking God's intervention. So, you know, for significant events, we, we fast for God's intervention. You know, seeking him, calling out him together, con- imploring, uh, confessing, repentance. Uh, look, look at uh, Esther, or Ezra 9 for that. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, lamenting. You know, Nehemiah came back to, to rebuild the walls of, of Jerusalem that had been torn down. And in uh, Nehemiah 9, it was uh, a matter of fasting uh, to, to confess and, and to repent. And also, uh, in, when we look in the New Testament, uh, many times it's to uh, seek God's guidance. Um, one, of the, one of the big ones is uh, in selecting leaders. In, in Acts 14, 22 to 23, as is, is the people were uh, appointing elders, you know, when they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, I mentioned this to the uh, the nominating committee. I would like for our nominating committee to uh, to do this as as we uh, make important decisions on who our leadership will be in this church. Uh, in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas, as they were sent, in, sent out, it says, uh, Acts 13, 2 to 3, uh, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and, and sent them off. You know, it's, it's really imploring God and, and, and seeking God as important things were, were happening here. So God's people have engaged in, in fasting when you know, they, they really realized that they needed to fully commit themselves to, uh, to God and to God's will. You know, biblically, when people fast, they're, they're doing some very serious God-seeking. 
seeking his wisdom, seeking his guidance, his, his power, seeking God's intervention. So, do we fast? I'm, I'm convicted here because I, I have fasted. I do fast, but not as, as often as I, as I should. I need to take this more seriously myself. One of the great chapters in the Bible about fasting is Isaiah 58. You, you may have read this. Starting in Isaiah 58.3, it says, in fact, before I read this, you know, it's, this speaks to our motives. It speaks to, uh, you know, what God's take on, on fasting is. You know, what, why should we? Why should we? Listen to this. Starting in verse 3, why have we fasted and you see it not? These are the people saying this to God. We, why have we humbled our, ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. This is God answering that. You seek your own pleasure and oppress your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. So he's saying their their motives are wrong here. Somehow they're fasting to uh, to elevate themselves over others. Verse five, he says, "Here's here's the fast that I have chosen. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast I choose to loose the bond of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and Bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst to the pointing of the finger and speaking wit wickedness if you pour yourself out to the hungry and satisfy satisfy the desire of the afflicted then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as of the noonday and the lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desires in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden like the spring of water whose waters do not fail and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairers of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. This is full of promise here. I'd say that this is a call for, for our church to, uh, to observe this practice, this discipline. You know, apparently God's people were fasting for the wrong reasons. They were fasting for selfish reasons to put themselves above, above others and, and fighting and quarreling. You know, what, what God has in mind for our fast is that we would do so in love for others and in love for God. You know, again, just serious God-seeking here. For healing 
for deliverance, for, for rebuilding and, and restoration. You know, this is, this, is, this is for calling out to God in prayer with, with a very serious heart. And it's, it's the pattern we see in God's people in the Old Testament, in the early church, and it totally aligns with, with what Jesus is, is saying here. So, again, these are some examples. You know, this, I don't think Jesus is giving us an exhaustive list of things that we might do with the wrong motives. You know, the, 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 basic, the basic principle here is to do, as, as Paul said, do all things for the glory of God. All things. All things. And so, yeah, with all respect to uh, William Shakespeare, the world is not our stage. Our, our church is not a, a center for performing arts. You know, why do we give? Why do we pray? Why do we fast? Let's, let's look at our hearts. We need to ask ourselves, why are we doing it? You know, is it, is it for our glory or is it for the Lord's glory? Is it to make us to make us look good in front of others or is it to make God famous? You know, would, would we do these things even if people weren't watching? That's, that's a good question. You know, what, if, what if we did these things where there was no possibility for public recognition? recognition? What if nobody cares? Well, God cares. Right, we we need not to worry what other people are thinking. So Jesus says, if we if we do these things to be seen and admired and applauded by other people, that's that's the only reward we're going to have. It's all we'll get. It's all we're going to accomplish. Let's do things for the glory of God. Let's pray, um, Lord God. Um, we we really do seek your honor and your glory above all else. Uh, we, we acknowledge, Lord, that, that without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we, we are nothing. Lord, so take our lives. Use us as, as vessels, holy vessels for, for your service, Lord. Uh, I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, search our hearts, Lord, and just put your finger on anything that's that's there that uh, is displeasing and, and grievous to you. Uh, let us live lives, Lord, that bring you honor above all. And we pray this in the name of our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.